I'm C. Allen. I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe, but our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. Something that we see very often in Scripture, uh, we saw it in this week's reading that we'll hear later in the show. We heard it in last week's reading that we'll reference again. Uh, and we see over and over in Scripture this uh, double idea. The first is that God has something for us, uh, that God is calling us to himself, that he's reconciling us to himself, that he longs for relationship with us, uh, that he has something for us, that we're uh, not left alone or isolated or abandoned, but that God has a desire to give us what we desire and to give us not only not only the thing that we desire, but give us the thing to desire. Uh, he plants the desire within us and then fulfills that. So the first thing that we see is that God has something for us. The second thing we see is that God has something for us to do. Uh, we don't just uh, have this relationship with God for ourselves, for our own satisfaction, for our own fulfillment, but we are part of a larger organism. Sometimes Scripture calls that the body of Christ. Sometimes it's the bride of Christ. Sometimes it's uh, the church, the koinonia, the ecclesia, whatever the, the word is. We're not islands unto ourselves, but we are part of the larger family of God. Uh, so God has something for us, and God has something for us to do. We're going to be exploring that today a little bit more fully with uh, with Patrick Conley of the Catherine of Siena Institute. But before we get there, I want to spend some time looking at this twofold idea. Uh, you hear very often here me repeating over and over that central message that Jesus Christ uh, was the only begotten Son of God who took on flesh, became one of us for the purpose of sanctifying our nature and sanctifying our souls. Uh, so he came and he lived a sinless life, not merely for example, but because that is what his nature is. And really, it's what we were created to be. I remember the first time I heard the idea that Mary was sinless. Of course, I wasn't raised Catholic. And so uh, this idea was foreign to me because, you know, Romans says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so any idea that a human could be sinless was really strange to me uh, until it was put in perspective that, well, Adam and Eve were created to be sinless. Uh, sin is antithetical to our created purpose. It's our nature to be holy. Remember in the book of Genesis, it says that we were created, male and female, in the image and the likeness of God. We were made to be in that relationship with God, and it it's something external and antithetical to our nature that we were separated from God by sin. And so Christ lived that sinless life. He sacrificed himself. He suffered and died and was raised from the dead for the purpose of restoring us to that life and to that relationship with God the Father. And just like any relationship— uh, that relationship is going to grow in intimacy and depth. We we don't just instantly know someone perfectly well. And it's not enough for us to be fully known by God. We want to be known, but also to know. 
for those of you who are married, you know this. You can call to mind the first time that you saw your spouse. Uh, and then you can call to mind the way that that relationship developed over time uh, up until the wedding and then how it developed after the wedding. And there was a deepening of understanding as you cultivated that relationship by spending time with and coming to really appreciate that other person. The same is true for those of you who are parents. When you first meet that child, uh, there's not a whole lot to that relationship. But as they grow, that relationship deepens and there's mutual benefit within that relationship. So too, our relationship with God is not uh, immediately perfect. We have to spend time in prayer and in Scripture and in coming to know who God is, even as we are already fully known, so that we can develop and cultivate that relationship with God. God has something for us, and that something is intimacy with God the Father. But God also has something for us to do. Uh, We're going to be talking about that in depth because it looks a little bit different for every person. Your personality and your talents and your gifts all are going to play into what that something for you to do is. But whatever it is, what I can tell you is that something for you to do is something for the benefit of someone else. It's for the benefit of the kingdom. So maybe for you, you are called to really exercise in a really overt way, the corporal acts of mercy, whether that be working with the the poor or the homeless or the hungry or the imprisoned. Uh, Or maybe for you, you tend more to the spiritual acts of mercy. Now, all of us are called to live out all the acts of mercy, but there are some things that we may excel in or that we may spend a little bit more energy and focus on. Perhaps you are called to, uh, to be a teacher of the faith, not, not so much in a classroom setting, but in the sense of passing on the information of the faith. Maybe you're called to be an evangelist, to share what you know of the goodness of God with others. Remember in the book of Acts, w- what they had was uh, an empowerment. They were gifted by the Spirit to speak in various tongues for the purpose of speaking out the mighty acts of God. That's what their evangelism was, was giving God praise in a public way. Maybe that's what you're called to, but maybe not. Maybe what you're called to is a behind-the-scenes hospitality. What you are called to, what it is that God has for you to do, is not something that I can tell you. It's not something that uh, really anyone else can tell you. They may be able to confirm what you already are discerning, but it's not something that can be imposed on you. It's something that in that relationship you feel called to by God and you submit to that call. God has something for you and something for you to do. We're going to be exploring that idea with Patrick Conley, who works with the Catherine of Siena Institute through their called and gifted workshops. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Join the ongoing conversation, share your prayer requests and pray for others. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL, and today we're talking a little bit about discipleship in a specific way. Uh, last week, of course, we, we spent some time on that meditation of the gospel where Christ said to the 72 that he sent out, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the field. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. And, and that 72, of course, is you and I. It's not the elite team. It's not the, the professionals. It's all of us. Uh, and we are the result of those prayers. We are the ones that need to respond to that prayer that the laborers would be plentiful, even as we continue that prayer, asking for others to join us. Uh, and that can be a little bit daunting. And so to try and unpack that a little bit today, we're talking with Patrick Conley. He's a called and gifted workshop presenter and interviewer and coordinates that in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, holds a degree in theology from Oxford University. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, and has done doctoral level theology work. Uh, He's worked a number of years in a parish and currently is taking all of that knowledge and putting it into a farm. You, uh, you, you go from Oxford. It's kind of like green acres, right? From, from park Avenue down to, yeah. Talk a little bit about that journey, and then we'll get into the, the throes of discipleship. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it doesn't. it's not completely separated from what you were talking about, right? It's all about following the call of the Lord. And, and uh, sometimes the laborers in the field to reap the harvest, it's, it's a literal thing. Sometimes you go and you are called by the Lord to get out there and reap uh, the harvest that's out there. We're surrounded by fields of corn and soybeans. We actually are not uh, farming, but... My wife grew up in a small farm uh, in central Wisconsin, and that's where we moved from the Twin Cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul. Last summer, we moved over to uh, central Wisconsin, and we are in pretty much the middle of nowhere, and it's great. I'm looking at creation. You're feeling more of the presence of the Lord through his creation. And there's, let me tell you, there's plenty of spiritual work to be done everywhere but uh, as we're finding first of all there's uh, there's disciples to be made and there's ways of following the will of the Lord here in this place as well you know some people they they think that if they listen too carefully to the call of God uh, that he's going to ask them to do something so beyond their comfort zone that uh, they're not going to be able to do it they, they look at it through the lens of their own competency and their own strength sure. and say, gosh, I, I look at people who are doing these, these things for God, who, who are disciples who get sent out and I can't pull something like that off. And so talk a little bit about right. um, this idea of being a disciple. You work with the Cath- Catherine of Siena Institute that does called and gifted. Uh, and really mm-hmm. I, I would guess that if someone were to say that to you, you would say you're right in your competency you probably couldn't do the things that God is calling you to do, except, and then take that except and give it to us. Right. Yeah. Very good. And thanks for setting me up uh, very well with that one. So that's right. That's exactly it, is that when the Lord said to, to pray for laborers to send in the harvest field, you're right. Uh, you, we are the ones who are the fruits of those prayers to be sent into the field. But it's about much more than me just giving my yes. That's critical. That's essential that we give our own fiat, that we 
you know, say, okay, Lord, whatever you want. So we do have to surrender our will. And that can be a daily, that can be a minute by minute thing. Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, um, there needs to be that openness. But it does not, at the end of the day, rely on our own competency. Thanks be to God, right? Because there's no way that any of us could pull that off uh, to say that, yes, I have the ability to do this and that and the other thing. One of the things, I'm a, I'm a convert to the Catholic religion. We, uh, my wife and I came into the Catholic faith uh, about nine years ago now, so Easter of 2010. And as a nine-year-old, you can make a lot of trouble, right? So I'm not necessarily out about making trouble, as it were. But one of the things that I do really love about it is I see that continuation on through the ages of Jesus and his commissioning of the apostles and the disciples, and that we are just part of that great sweep of salvation history that has continued on ever since then. And, and we, in our in our limited human form, we can't respond. We can't reply in a way that uh, can accomplish anything in the will and realm of, of God, except here in the Catholic faith, we do have these wonderful big brothers and sisters, right? When it comes to the saints, um, we have these people who have gone before us and we sometimes look at the saints. And I think we make a fundamental error when we look at the saints and we think, wow, well, I could never do that. Well, in some ways, that's true in the sense of, well, our calling may be quite different than that of a, say, St. Benedict or a St. Mother Teresa or a St. Who knows? I mean, just substitute your favorite saint in there, that my, my call is different than that. So in that sense, that's true. But what separates us from them is just a narrow, thin margin. And what that is, is just our ever greater willingness to say yes to that Holy Spirit, because the way that they became saints was through the working of the Holy Spirit. The way that we become saints, which we're all called to do, is through the working of the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, on our own competency, we are completely useless. (laughs) But when we team up with the Holy Spirit, God has given us this great ability to cooperate with and hear that word literally, cooperate, to work together um, with the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. uh, through, our, through our mind, through our will, through our strength, um, that we work together with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit's involved, <laughs> well, nothing's impossible, right? So right. We're, we, are, we are enabled, we are empowered specifically with certain gifts. And that's what we talk about in the Call and Gifted Workshop. We talk about the charism the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us so that we can fulfill that call which he has placed on our lives. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Patrick Conley, who works with the Catherine of Siena Institute. You can find him over at Siena.org. They have the called and gifted workshops that help disciples discern their charisms. And as we talk about charisms, this is uh, same root word, but it's not connected uh, necessarily with what you think of when you think of charismatic or a charismatic movement or the charismatic renewal in the Catholic Church. This is something that is not subsected often to that specific uh, genre. Rather, the, the, right. the charisms are things that are given to mm-hmm. us by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit belongs to all of us who have been baptized and confirmed. 
Uh, the Holy Spirit comes That's to live right. in us in baptism and then is stirred up in a very particular way through the sacrament of confirmation. And then so if you are in the church and you have been confirmed, you have all that you need apart from your fiat and surrender to begin operating in some really dramatic ways as a laborer in the field. Uh, now, this could be a, a little bit threatening um, because we have this picture of what it means to be that kind of disciple. Uh, but one of the things that you'll talk about at the Catherine of Siena Institute is that every person's discipleship might look uh, externally different. Uh, so talk a, a little bit about what that could could mean for us. Yeah, I think as with many things in life, right, there's some things that are similar and some things that are different. And the, at the root of all of this is that uh, God is a God who loves us. You know, you, you hear that phrase all the time. You see it on bumper stickers, right? God loves you. Mm-hmm. And it, it can kind of become so passe these days is that, you know, I, okay, so God loves me. What difference does that make? I think in the, in the Catholic realm, we've got to remember, first of all, the intense and, uh, and really profound meaning behind these words, that the creator of all is a loving father to us, right? Mm-hmm. But then another, the, the next mistake that we make is that we make the mistake of saying, well, uh, in fact, I saw this on a t-shirt once, your listeners might, might, uh, might like this. Um, it said, uh, Jesus loves you. Then again, he loves everybody. (laughs) So it was one of these, you know, kind of doesn't really make a difference because he loves everybody. Right. Well, the diff, I think that highlights one of the distinctions that uh, we need to be careful to make when we're, when we're living the faith is that God doesn't just love everybody en masse, but he, he loves each one of us individually as individuals. Scripture tells us that the very hairs of our head are numbered. Well, if, if we think about love in, in our context, that's, oh, oh, Jesus has a, affection for you and for me and for everyone individually, which is true. Yeah. But as, if we take that definition of St. Thomas Aquinas, that love is to will the good of the other. Right. Now, all of a sudden, there's some teeth to the fact that Jesus loves you individually as well as loves humanity. That's right. That he is individually willing your good. That's right. Yep that Jesus did indeed die for the salvation of the world, but he died for my salvation as well. It becomes personal, right? It becomes something that I am called to respond to. There's no sitting on the fence. Either I need to accept it and live out the life that he has in his loving will has called me to, or I need to reject it and say, okay, I don't believe it or I don't accept the love that he has given. Um, But when it gets back to that call, when it gets back to, gets back to the call, we need to then understand, you brought up Aquinas, so uh, yeah, let's go there. Aquinas actually also said, you know what, if we do not fulfill the call that is placed on our lives by our loving Father, nobody else can do it for us. So it goes undone. It's left undone. Now that's a little harrowing when you come to think of it. Now, I don't want to place too heavy of an emphasis saying the salvation of the world depends upon, you know, our following the call of God at every moment, at every specific time. I I don't want to put too much weight on our shoulders alone because we can't bear it. But at the same time, there is something that I think we need to wake up to, which is that when the call of God comes, you know what? The workings of salvation in our midst 
do hinge upon our saying yes. And when we say no, whether it's through just a rejection or whether it's through kind of laziness or fear, whatever it might be, there's some sin involved in that. And we need to take that into the confessional. I think we need to say, you know what? I didn't respond when I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit, when I felt the Father uh, prompting me to go and say this to that person. And I said, no, I don't feel like it. Well, that's something we need to, we need to own up to and say, you know, we're not, we're not there. Uh, to go back to the call thing, uh, blessed soon to be St. John Henry Newman uh, said this essentially is the same thing, right? That God has, God has willed and has planned one, you know, some specific service that I am to do for him. And that, uh, and, and that service is linked, he said, with my greatest happiness, that God knows my greatest happiness and he wants to give it to me uh, unless I interfere with his plan, which is that saying no. So each one of us is called to something specific. Yeah. And Patrick, you were mentioning that, you know, sometimes we hesitate. We hear the voice of God. We feel the nudge of the Spirit. And we're not sure that we're hearing it right. And we we have a little bit of, of cautiousness and fear. And the way to overcome that is to spend time in prayer, getting used to the voice of the Holy Spirit, getting used to knowing what God is asking of us, so that when the time comes, when it's essential that we obey, we have the confidence to do it. We're talking today with Patrick Conley of the Catherine of Siena Institute. Find out more about them at siena.org. Uh, Look for a called and gifted workshop near you or have your parish host one to help you discern your charisms where you're most effective in the kingdom of God. There's a lot more to this conversation right after the break, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily lives. I'm your host, TL, and today we're talking about God's operation through the Holy Spirit in our lives and what that looks like and means for us as followers, as disciples of Jesus Christ. And of course, as Jesus walks with his disciples, he equips them and turns them into missionaries. He sends them out uh, to do the work. And of course, we're talking a little bit, meditating on what we th- talked about last week, praying that the Lord of the Harvest would send laborers into the field. So this morning we're talking with Patrick Conley, who works with the Catherine of Siena Institute. You can find him over at siena.org. And we're talking about the ways that the Holy Spirit gifts us, these charisms that are really gifts to all of us who have been baptized and confirmed and have the the life of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Uh, so, Patrick, thank you again for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, T.L. I want to forge ahead here. We have these specific callings, you've said, that uh, have been set aside for us, a very specific task or very specific direction, flow, stream, strength that is given to us. Uh, and these are, uh, you know, we, we tend to think of uh, the things that we're good at or the things that we like or our natural mm-hmm. talents or the things that we've developed. Uh, and mm-hmm. while these two things correlate, they're not necessarily the same. Talk a little bit about that distinction between our skills, our talents, and our charisms. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. So God wants 
to use all of us, right? And so there's not a section of us that he says, now nah, you can keep that for yourself. Nope. He, uh, as I like to tell, I used to direct an RCIA program, and as I like to tell the people in there, I said, you know, the saving grace of Jesus Christ is the only free gift that will cost you everything, <laughs> right? So <laughs> it does. It costs us everything because he wants all of us, our natural talents, our skills, and our charisms. But charisms are not the same as natural talents and skills. Charisms are not what we are good at, but rather where the Holy Spirit is choosing to work in and through us for the good of others in a regular patterned or habitual way. And so they include things like anywhere from something like teaching uh, to something like healing to something like intercessory prayer to something like uh, administration, leadership. Uh, there's, there's a, there's a host of them. We cover 23 of them in our, in our workshop that we go and Those are just 23 of the most common charisms that we find attested to in, uh, scripture and in the tradition. Now, um, they're different from those natural talents or those learned skills because for one, the charisms are given to us specifically by God for our mission in life. And so, although, as you already mentioned, TL, we do get those charisms when we're baptized, they're sealed within us in the sacrament of confirmation. Right. But uh, they are they are there throughout or for the duration throughout our life. But we do not inherit them from our parents like we can with natural talent. Mm -hmm. They're also something that we need to first discern. We need to figure out what charisms have I been given. And that's that's a task in and of itself. And that's why we have the calling gifted workshops is to help people start that process of discernment. Right. But they're not. And once they're discerned, you can develop them. But they're not something like a learned skill. So uh, oftentimes we have people come to the workshop and say that, you know, I, uh, I scored highly in a charism of administration, but I don't really like doing it. Well, that's one of the signs of a charism is that typically <laughs> you will enjoy the activity um, because the Holy Spirit is working in and through you, right? Well, then we ask them, well, what do you do for work? And they say, well, I'm an administrator. Well, there you go. So you learned how to be very efficient at an administration uh, when actually it's not a charism, but it's rather a learned skill. Now, at the same time, let me just circle back around and say that God wants it all, right. but it's particularly helpful for the disciple to, to discern his or her charisms because this is the way that the Holy Spirit has set us up um, for living a life of fruitfulness in the kingdom. So to be that missionary disciple to uh, carry out the specific mission that God has for each one of us. And I would say, just by way of reminder, that these gifts that are given to us, uh, Scripture says, are given by the Holy Spirit as the body of Christ has need, right? That's right. Uh, they're, they're given to us as the body has need. So specifically, the charism is something that is always intended for the church. It's not something that uh, That's right. is for our enjoyment. It's not something that is for uh, our acclaim. It's specifically that which is for the, the benefit of the, the broader community. Yeah, it is. There's a very ecclesial feel to the care, that's for sure. In, in more ways than one. And so, you know, St. Paul talks about for the building up of the church. Um, and so when comes to charism, you're right in that, uh, you know, they are for the community of believers, but even more so than that, well, I wouldn't say more so, but right alongside that, there is an evangelistic element to each one of the charisms as well. So when you are operating in and through 
the Holy Spirit working through your charisms, then people will have an opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ and receive his provision, his providential care in and through you, because the Holy Spirit is reaching out in and through you for the sake of others. And so it is the building up of the church in terms of our own, you know, our own spirit, our own strength, our own morale, but also in our own number, because it draws other people into, as was Jesus's plan all along, right? It draws other people, the lost sheep, back into the fold, back into the flock. Now, Patrick, the more we talk about this, uh, the more I can uh, sense people getting a little bit uncomfortable. This whole idea of, okay. wow, God is asking me to do something that I might not like to do and uh, and that I might not feel comfortable doing. And all of a sudden, I, I just feel the anxiety in some people rising. And it calls to mind this picture, uh, and it's not meant to be derogatory at all, but to, to maybe look at things through a different perspective. And that's the perspective of my very young son who is in the midst of uh, pot, mm. potty training. And I, I, you didn't think we were going there on this show, but we are. Uh, he, he does not like this idea at all. Uh, he's quite comfortable continuing uh, in, the, in the normal operation of our family. Uh, this is what we do. We wake up and we put on a diaper. Come on, I know how things work. I've done this for a number of years. Right. Um, right. We yeah. should we should just leave well enough alone. <laughs> well, here's here's <laughs> the thing. You and I we can laugh at that because we know that uh, the the normal intended operation of a mature adult is to use uh, uh, plumbing. Right. We have it available to us. Mm -hmm. We should we yes. should make use of it. <laughs> and and it's uncomfortable for him. It's it's nerve wracking for him. He doesn't feel like he's competent in it. But I know that if he proceeds and continues, he's going to get it and he's going to mature and he's, he's going to be fine. And the same is true for us mm -hmm. that operating in the charisms is the normal operation of the life of a follower of Christ. It's, the, it's the, one of those early signs of maturity right. that we're not just being spoon-fed the faith but we are growing in maturity and becoming a laborer in the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I think your analogy fits very well, actually, T.L. I, I do think that there's a, there's a way of looking back upon it, and sometimes we can forget what a monumental task it seems like to be able to step out and do that first step of missionary discipleship. When um, you go from, say, a, a casual churchgoer to an actual, you know, living a vibrant relationship with the Lord and stepping out to be uh, his hands and feet, his voice, his lungs, his, you know, to be, to, to uh, enact that in the world today through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you're right. There can be some, uh, some apprehension, some misgivings, some fear when it comes to that sort of thing. And one of the things we like to point out in the workshop and the calling gifted workshop is that um, one of the signs of a charism, as I mentioned earlier, is that you will, you tend to feel this sense of, uh, well, energy, you feel energized, uh, you feel joyful satisfaction, you feel that, yes, I'm close to God, it can be an expression of your prayer life to live out your charisms, so that actually in just, you know, giving it a little test drive, if I can use a different analogy, so, um, one of the first times I ever drove a manual transmission car, 
man, I, I killed that thing. I don't know how many times. And fortunately I was in a parking lot at the time. Right. And my friend was trying to take me through it. Okay. Now release the clutch slowly, you know, give it a little more gas, that sort of thing. But it became so frustrating. And I just, I wanted nothing more than to get out of that car and get into back into a, an automatic transmission. Mm-hmm. So I, I, but I stuck with it and I, t- I watched my friend drive it and you know what she did well all the time. Like it wasn't even, she didn't even have to think about it. Right. Well, I, I persevered and through the frustration, through the, through the, uh, well, all the, all the, just the obstacles that were jumping up in my way, fortunately not physical obstacles. And, uh, finally I started to get it. And when I started to get it, it kind of opens up this whole new driving experience. Suddenly I feel much more and maybe, well, I'm a middle-aged man, so maybe middle-aged men can, can understand me here, but I'm, I'm more in touch with the car, in touch with my journey. It's actually more of a pleasure to drive. In a similar way with the charisms, when we start just stepping out and responding to those nudges that we understand from the Holy Spirit, when we discern our gifts and we understand, yep, this is what the Lord has for me, we'll start to find that God, you know, he responds to us, he provides for us tenfold, and that just a little bit of risk comes oftentimes with it comes a lot of reward. Now that may not be, you know, that may not be an earthly reward. It may be a spiritual reward. In fact, I can almost guarantee that, but there is, there's great reward to be had, but we do have to put forth that risk. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if uh, anyone would be my disciple, he must take up his cross and follow me. Well, who wants to do that? You know, <laughs> well, sign that, up here, line up here. It, it, yeah. And that whole idea of whoever would save his life, must lose it. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, right. Oh, we don't like that idea, but isn't it so true that if we hold on to, let's just go back to the diaper analogy because it, it as we as adults, it's a little bit um, disgusting. And why would anyone want to do that? <laughs> and and I think that that's a yeah. kind of a correlation. If we hang on so tightly to that thing that we really uh, are comfortable with, not only are we missing out on something greater, but you can think of all the negative things associated with not being able to be potty trained. Right. And, and so right. that, that thing that we're holding on to so tightly and saying, I don't, I don't want to let this go. I don't want to let this specific way of life go. Well, yeah, whoever saves his own life will lose it. Whoever loses his life and that, that whole center of your being and saying, okay, I'm going to release this idea and I'm going to move into something uncertain and scary. Yeah. That's the one we're really going to find life and not only our life, but become as, as the scripture says, sharers in the divine life. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's the way that our Lord has designed it, you know, and he knows best that part of being a disciple, right. Is submitting saying, all right, Lord, you know, best it, this is not the way I would have done it but you know best and I submit to your wisdom. So that's, that's exactly right. There, there is, uh, there's so much that God intends to give us and wants to give us again, going back to this nearly saints, John Henry Newman quote is that he knows what is our greatest happiness and he means to give it to us. Mm-hmm. He means to give it to us. We're talking today with Patrick Conley of the Catherine of Siena Institute. Find out more about the called and gifted workshop by going to Siena.org. There's more to my conversation with Patrick available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link in the top right-hand corner, and find out how, for a little bit of support, you can get a lot of extras. 
Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. And don't go anywhere because there's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. We've been talking today with Patrick Conley from the Catherine of Siena Institute. You can find out more information about them by going over to Siena.org, talking a little bit about charisms, about this idea that God has something for us, uh, his His love for us, his desire for us to be in relationship with him, and and this fulfillment that he longs to give us. He has something for us, but he also has something for us to do. We see this as he called the uh, the first apostles, the first disciples. He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? There's this call and this invitation into relationship. There's also this call into a specific task, a task to build the kingdom of God. This kind of builds on what we talked about last week in terms of Jesus sending out appointing and sending out the 72. And in that action, he says that this ministry is not just for the 12. It's not just for the select few, but it's for all of those who follow after me. And so you and I who are disciples who are following after Jesus, we too are appointed and sent out for specific ministry and specific mission. If you missed any part of that conversation, you want to listen to it again or share it with your friends on social media, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived right over at OutsideTheWalls.com. There's more to my conversation with Patrick that's available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, our Patreon supporters get an extra segment each and every week, a few extra questions with our guest, and uh, this one is a great one. I encourage you to go over, while you're there at OutsideTheWalls.com, up in that top right-hand corner, there's a, a link that says support the show hyphen Patreon. Click through that link read through it, and see about joining this fantastic community. Let's turn our attention now to our reading from Scripture and from church history. Our reading from Scripture this week comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. 
Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instructions, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was the neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered him, The one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, and this is a perennial problem. We like to think that if we lived in Jesus' time, we would not be the ones standing up to challenge him. And yet, we see this specific instance going on today. You and I could correctly answer that the key is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But we, too, want to justify ourselves by splitting hairs and saying, okay, but really, who is my neighbor, really? Well, Jesus' answer to him was to bring out as the neighbor the foreigner whom he despised. Specifically, not just any foreigner, but the foreigner that this culture despised. And made that person the neighbor. Made that person understand and recognize the humanity of his enemy and to pick him up and to care for him. And if this is what Jesus said, he said, go and do likewise. And if that's the case, then we have to ask ourselves, who is the foreigner that we are a little squeamish around? Whether that be a literal foreigner, uh, someone who is not a native of our country, or whether that be a, a, a different a person of a different ideological territory. Who is our neighbor that we are called to care for? And not just care for in, again, as we talked about earlier in the show, not in, a, in the affection kind of a way, but in the, uh, the Samaritan here put down his hard cash. He is really, truly caring for the person, providing for their needs. And this is a challenge to us. Because we, you know, we have this relationship with God. God has something for us, but God also has something for us to do. And just like the Samaritan, it will probably take us out of our comfort zone. It's going to mean overcoming some fear, and that's something that we can't do on our own. But Scripture tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. And we have access to this perfect love. This perfect love is God himself who is love, who dwells within us. And if we will surrender ourselves to him, he will cast out that fear and empower us to be his, his missionary disciples. Our reading from church history today comes from Cyril of Alexandria. In a plan of surpassing beauty, the creator of the universe decreed the renewal of all things in Christ. In his design for restoring human nature to its original condition, he gave a promise that he would pour out on it the Holy Spirit, along with his other gifts. For otherwise, our nature could not enter once more into the peaceful and secure possession of those gifts. He therefore appointed a time for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. This was the time of Christ's coming. He gave this promise when he said, In those days, that is, the days of the Savior, I will pour out a share of my Spirit on all mankind. 
When the time came for this great act of unforced generosity, which revealed in our midst the only begotten Son, clothed with flesh on this earth, a man born of woman in accordance with the Holy Scripture, God the Father gave the Spirit once again. Christ, as the first fruits of our restored nature, was the first to receive the Spirit. John the Baptist bore witness to this when he said, I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven, and it rested on him. Christ received the Spirit insofar as he was man, and insofar as man could receive the Spirit. He did so in such a way that, though he is the Son of God the Father, begotten of his substance, even before the Incarnation, indeed before all ages, yet he was not offended at hearing the Father say to him, after he had become man, You are my Son. Today I have begotten you. The Father says of Christ, who is God begotten of him before the ages, that he has been begotten today. For the Father is to accept us in Christ as his adopted children. The whole of our nature is present in Christ insofar as he is man. So the Father can be said to give the Spirit again to the Son, though the Son possesses the Spirit as his own, in order that we may receive the Spirit in Christ. The Son, therefore, took to himself the seed of Abraham, as Scripture says, and became like his brothers in all things. The only begotten Son received the Spirit, but not for his own advantage, for the Spirit is his and is given in him and through him, as we've already said. He receives it to renew our nature in its entirety and to make it whole again. For in becoming man, he took our entire nature to himself. If we reason correctly and use also the testimony of Scripture, we can see that Christ did not receive the Spirit for himself, but rather for us in him. For it is also through Christ that all gifts come down to us. That reading from church history comes from Cyril of Alexandria. And Christ made this way for us. He gave us his spirit for a very specific reason. It's not just to, to hold it in for ourselves, but we're made into his image. Of course, as you remember, we were created in the image and likeness of God. We're meant to reflect his glory and to reflect uh, back to the rest of creation who he is. And that means that as we are filled with his Holy Spirit, we begin to do the things that he does. And so we look at the life of Christ, we look at the Gospels, we look at who he has revealed God the Father to be. And that then tells us what you and I are called to do. And so we hear in a new light the words of Christ that he came to seek and save those who are lost. We see him restore relationships between communities. We see him heal the sick and preach the good news that God's kingdom is here for you now. And we see in those things that which he now calls us as his body, as we are empowered to do these things by his Holy Spirit. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us. Today's show is brought to you by Anil Thomas and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and join their numbers. Join us over on social media as part of an ongoing conversation, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls, 
On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.